Everybody Googles everything, especially potential customers or employers, and a business or personal online reputation can make or break you. If negative search results or reviews are impacting you, Webamax is here to help. Our proven process restores your online reputation quickly and effectively, and it matters. Don't let negative results control your narrative. Visit GoWebamax.com and fill out a brief confidential form to see how we can help. Remember, if you aren't paying attention to your online reputation, someone else is. GoWebamax.com. Anatomy of an ad. Subconsciously trigger emotions through music. Perfect. Define an opportunity. Imagine talking to millions of people across the U.S. like I am now. Identify a problem. Creating an audio ad is time-consuming. Offer a solution. Utilize cutting-edge AI. Imagine creating all that in under 30 seconds. Well, we did. To create this ad... To learn more about AI in the audio industry, download the white paper from audiostack.ai. Anatomy of an ad. Subconsciously trigger emotions through music. Perfect. Define an opportunity. Imagine talking to millions of people across the U.S. like I am now. Identify a problem. Creating an audio ad is time-consuming. Offer a solution. Utilize cutting-edge AI. Imagine creating all that in under 30 seconds. Well, we did. To create this ad... To learn more about AI in the audio industry, download the white paper from audiostack.ai. Anatomy of an ad. Subconsciously trigger emotions through music. Perfect. Define an opportunity. Imagine talking to millions of people across the U.S. like I am now. Identify a problem. Creating an audio ad is time-consuming. Offer a solution. Utilize cutting-edge AI. Imagine creating all that in under 30 seconds. Well, we did. To create this ad... To learn more about AI in the audio industry, download the white paper from audiostack.ai. I do not understand this football name in America. How how many of kicks is there in the football game? Six kicks? I'm going to say it once and hopefully I'm wrong, but it's a disaster waiting to happen. I love all of those things with the piggy skin and the men running around. So much screams and then a toss and then everyone is in a large, large hill. A star is born in the NFL. I like the moxie, but I, more importantly, I like the poise and the noise. Oh, what are you doing? You gotta be paping me. It's Jonathan Elway. He was so sassy and cool and hey guys, I'm a cowboy. Bang, bang, sling, sling, toss, toss. I'm going to lose all the time. And then I win and then he leaves as he wins. You cannot beat this. From Munich, Germany, the Broncos and Bratwurst podcast with Kevin Gilligan. Yes, I'm Kevin Gilligan, born and raised in Denver, Colorado, lifelong Broncos fan. I recently moved to Munich, Germany, but as they say, distance makes the heart grow fonder, and so I still love them and love talking about them, even though it's from across the pond. Good morning, Broncos fans, or well, at least it's morning here in Bavaria, Germany, a beautiful sunny morning. It's just been glorious, glorious weather here the last few days. And it really helps the mood, you know? I mean, it's something, again, I think I've talked about this in the past, how I really, really miss Denver weather. Because in the wintertime, you had snow, of course, you had cold. But then you'd have, you know, you'd have snaps where it was 50 degrees and sunny. And, and so much sun. There's so much sun in Denver. And boy, did I miss that. But it's been really great here, and, and it really helps to, I don't know, get you back into that, I don't know, that, that, that spring 
sense of mind, you know, that, that, that energy kind of is rejuvenated and, and it's, it's good stuff. It's good. Stuff. It makes me really, really excited for baseball, honestly. Now, of course, baseball, you know, even though it's coming up in the next few months, there are plenty of stories that can be talked about there with, you know, Arenado, the Rockies should be good. I'm really excited about the Rockies this season, but as always, the NFL somehow manages to stay relevant, even in the, the, dark days of of the end of February before the combine before free agency there is still always something and the Broncos just continue to go and and to have news I mean I mean obviously huge 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 news and this this was published excuse me I'm a little bit sick this morning this was published just shortly I mean like briefly after my um podcast went up on milehighreport.com last week on Wednesday. So my my there was a lot of news on Tuesday, so my podcast was pushed today. And the podcast went up, and I, and I think it was maybe 10 minutes later, the news broke that Joe Flacco was traded to the Broncos. And so, of course, my podcast and my article on milehighreport.com got almost no views or listens because everyone was more interested in what the the awesome staff over at Mile High Report was, was saying about the 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 trade. I mean, of course, and I, I mean, I don't blame them. I mean, it's a, it's a, a an interesting move. It's a move that I laugh at. I, I have to laugh because I, I've done so many polls. I, I swear, I've done maybe five polls on my articles on MileHighReport.com, and and each poll I'd say, okay, you know, who who do you want? Do you want Joe Flacco, Case Keenum, a rookie, or someone else? Pretty much. And and there, there, I even did one on Twitter where I said, "Would you rather Joe Flacco or Uncle Rico from Napoleon Dynamite or Tim Tebow?" And Flacco always, always was the bottom. I mean, this guy was getting like maybe two percent of the vote, and this is out of thousands of votes. I mean, th- th- this is not a small number of votes coming from Denver Broncos fans. These are hardcore Broncos fans on MileHighReport.com and people who listen to my podcast, people on Twitter, and. No one wanted Joe Flacco. Now, I don't know if that's necessarily because of his skill level or because of his history against the Broncos. Probably a mix of both. I think he has a really horrible reputation here in Denver. Maybe that's unfair. I'm not saying it's fair. I'm not saying that's statistical. But the fans, I can tell you absolutely for a fact, the fans did not want Joe Flacco. And so when the news broke, it was just like, are you kidding me? The one guy that the fans really didn't want. I mean, you could have brought in, you probably could have brought in Tim Tebow and it probably would have gotten a better reaction than Joe Flacco. I mean, just absolute pandemonium on Twitter. And, you know, I think Mile High Report did a tweet, you know, a tweet about, you know, send us your reactions in a, in a, in a GIF. And they were, they were, let's say, to, to say it lightly, they were not optimistic um, GIFs that the fans were, were putting on there. There was a lot of um, throwing up and it, it, things like that. Um, crazy reactions. And of course, like any, any big move like this, it's going to have, it's going to have, in in the first instant, it's going to have, you know, a little, it's it, not tempered reactions. The reactions are going to be just pure emotions. There's not any stats or facts behind those emotions in the first few minutes when you hear. And it was the same with me. I, I hated the move. I, I'm not going to lie. I mean, the first, the first minutes, the first day I heard about it, I, I couldn't believe it. I, I couldn't believe it. I, I couldn't believe the Vic Fangio just came out just like last week. 
a few days before this happened and said, hey, we are not going to put a Band-Aid on this. We are going to fix this the right way. We're going to we're going to go and and do this right. Whatever he said, you know, I don't know the exact quote, but no, the, the, no Band-Aids was exactly what he said. And then you go and get like the biggest Band-Aid you could possibly get to fill for this team. I mean, this is a guy who's already what, what, 34. He, he's an older guy. Yes, he's a veteran. He's pretty washed up. I mean, he's a guy who hasn't seen success for years. I mean, like six or seven years. This isn't just, he, he, yeah, he had an off year last year. He's not been good for a long time. And, and he's, he's really, really disliked here. I mean, again, partly because of that awful, horrific playoff loss back in, what was it, 2013, but partly because he's just not a very good quarterback. So, I mean, you know, fans get their hopes up. I don't know what for, honestly, because I don't think this draft class is all that good for quarterbacks, and we've talked about that before. I thought they were going to stay with Keenum and then draft someone in 2020. So what's what was the purpose of going and getting a guy who's really just slightly better than Case Keenum? And, and you know, the Mile High Report guys have, have gone out and done some really great comparisons. I, I highly recommend uh, if, if you haven't already seen them, go to milehighreport.com, check out these statistical comparisons. Joe Mahoney did a really great one comparing Keenum to Flacco, um, and, and, and Flacco comes out on top, but it's really kind of a sign to say that, I mean, Keenum was terrible last year. I mean, he was really one of the bottom four or five quarterbacks in the league, and, and there's really no questioning that in almost any category, any stat. But Flacco wasn't much better. And, and, I mean, Flacco is a guy who's, yeah, he, he's so unsexy. I mean, I guess he's got the name. I mean, he's a Super Bowl MVP, but from, what, you know, eight years ago now, seven years ago, six years ago? And then that's, he's a has-been. And, and I, I don't know how you get excited about this. I'm trying to pull up the stats yeah, here they are. Since 2013, this is according to, who is this? Mark Sessler at NFL Research. Um, since 2013, his pass yards per attempt is 6.5. That's that's ranked the 35th among quarterbacks with a minimum of 1,000 passing attempts. His touchdown percentage, 3.5, that's 35th. Touchdown to interception ratio, that's 34th. Passer rating, 82.3 is 34th. That is not good. This is not a guy who's been good since his Super Bowl win. I don't know if that's because he hasn't had the talent around him. That That's what a lot of people say. You know, he hasn't had the receivers. His offensive line's not very good. But come on. I mean, we, we see plenty of these, these quarterbacks without big name receivers go out and have success and put up big numbers. And I, I don't, uh, I don't know. I mean, you know, I, I guess eventually my point that I'm kind of rambling towards is that after the first day, after I could kind of wind down and, and, you know, not just look at it emotionally, but look at it practically, I get it. I mean, I guess it's a slight upgrade. It gives the Broncos a better chance to win in my opinion, but, but maybe that's not the case because Vegas, the, the odds of the Broncos winning the Super Bowl drastically dropped in Vegas when the news of the trade for Joe Flacco, well, you know, went out. Which I, I mean, I don't know if that means they think that Keenum was a better answer. I doubt it. I think they were waiting to see what the Broncos did, and when they saw what they did, they said, "Okay, well, this doesn't help their odds of making the Super Bowl." Um, either way, it, 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 their percentages in Vegas, at least, dropped. Now, 
Flacco, you can't really deny he's a more physically gifted, more talented guy. But if you go again and you look at the stats for his his deep passing abilities, and jo- again, Joe Mahoney did a great job on this, a mile high report, that you you look at his pa- his deep passing stats, and since his Super Bowl in 2013, his pat deep passes are terrible. They're terrible. I mean, he's bottom of the league. He's like 35th or 36th in the league. I mean, it's bad. And so he's not a deep passing guy. He's got the arm, but I don't know if it's not the accuracy. Maybe it's not the wide receivers. But there is absolute proof in the last five years that he is not that guy. So why do they go out and get him? I mean, I guess he's he. They think he's a better fit in the in the offensive scheme of of Scangarello. They think that maybe the Broncos can win nine or ten games with him. I don't know. I mean, I, what, what does it mean now? Do do they go and and sit out in the in the you know the number ten pick? Do they not pick a quarterback? Do they go and pick someone on defense? I mean, I'm okay with that. It's a very defensive heavy um, top ten or or first round of the of the draft this year, and and the Broncos have so many needs. I mean, they need a cornerback. They need a linebacker. They need a defensive tackle. They need probably a safety they need wide receivers they need a tight end I mean there are and and geez they need the entire offensive line there are just innumerable needs for this team and so that's why I liked when Fangio said hey you know we're not going to have any band-aids this is not going to be a a you know slap something on there and and you know put lipstick on a pig and, and call it beautiful I mean and that's exactly what they did I mean, you can't go and tell me that Joe Flacco is going to come in and make this a championship team immediately. That's just not going to happen. So what's your, what is the purpose? And if the purpose is, okay, you know, he's going to be a bridge quarterback and we're going to pick a guy in 2020 or 2021 and then build from there. And in the meantime, we will build, you know, and, and try to rebuild the team and fill in all these other holes on offense and defense. Now, if that's the case, okay, that sounds great. But why... Go and trade a fourth round pick and and spend more money because you're going to have some sort of hit on Keenum unless you can somehow find a team that will trade for him to, to have him start, which is very unlikely. I think Case Keenum's time as a starting quarterback in this league are over. The time it is over, I should say. I mean, if so, if they cut him in a team signs him, say, to the veteran minimum of, of I don't know, 400000 or something like that, then the Broncos are going to have a cap hit, I believe, of $7 million, or, or around $7 million, which means adding $7 million in 2019 to Joe Flacco's eighteen point you you're going to be paying $25 million for Joe Flacco practically as quarterback or for your quarterbacks, and that's crap. I mean, what, what, why do that? I mean, you have a very marginal upgrade in quarterback, at least from what I can see. Maybe it is an upgrade, but it's not huge. You didn't go and get Peyton Manning. This isn't even, I mean, geez, I don't even know if it's Nick Foles. I mean, I don't know if Nick Foles is much better. I'm glad they didn't get Nick Foles because Nick Foles was going to be more expensive and he doesn't fit the scheme. So I understand why you get Flacco instead of Foles, but, but why not just stay with Keenum? Keenan was going to be cheap. He was going to be bad. Yeah, but I mean, do we really think this is a team that's going to compete in 2019? Be real. Come on. I mean, unless John Elway works some just unbelievable magic, builds the entire offensive line, is there a single guy coming back for that offensive line? Maybe Leary. I mean, Paradis looks like he's gone. So you're letting go of your best offensive lineman, or at least you're letting him test free agency, which I think is an idiotic decision. So you're letting him test free agency. 
Ronald Leary's banged up. I think he's signed, so maybe he's going to play. But Valdir's a free agent. Who who else is going to play? I mean, do you really want any of these other guys who played last year? Okay, okay, Bowles. I always forget about Bowles because, I mean, I guess Bowles is going is going to be a starter, but I mean, whoop de doo. I mean, fantastic, yay! We get we get Bowles now. Hopefully, Mike Munchak can come in and coach him up and make him a good player, which which is possible. But I can't be that excited about Garrett Bowles. <laughs> come on, can I? Tell me, tell tell me why to be excited about this guy. He 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 has been proven to be another first round bust, and 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 and, and always done it over and over or, or early second round, and. I don't know. I mean, if LA goes and has just an absolute killer draft, killer, and a killer free agency and nails every single selection, then maybe, maybe this team has a chance to make the playoffs. But they're not a championship team, and they're not even close. So it's a rebuilding team. And Elway just does not seem to have any clue how to rebuild a team. Now, sometimes that's okay. I mean, he he didn't rebuild, you know, when he took over. And, and he just went in and said, okay, we're going to do a quick rebuild because we already have a lot of talent on defense. We have Von Miller, et cetera. So let's go and and get Peyton Manning and, and make us a championship team right now. And that works. But I mean, that's the whole philosophy that I've talked about on many occasions of if you're going to win in, in today's NFL, you either need a cheap young quarterback like LA, like Seattle did for so many years, like a lot of these teams with, with rookie contract guys, and you can build around the rest of the team because you save money on quarterback or you build around a hall of famer like Peyton Manning, like Tom Brady, like, you know, Drew Brees, etc. Now I think in my opinion, the worst possible scenario is to go and spend money on a wash up free agent, old quarterback. Who's not that good. And that was going to be the case with Case Keenum. And it's also the case with Joe Flacco. So I, I hate it. I, I mean, I, I mean, I, it's a funny thing because, I mean, the day after the trade, I was like, okay, I start to warm up to it. But the more now, it's 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 been about a week to stew. And I know there's plenty of stats saying he's a little better than Case Keenum. A little better. He's not a good quarterback. There, there's no, there's nothing to tell me he's a good quarterback. Okay, I've seen a couple nice throws he's made on Twitter, you know, a, a videos, I think Joe Mahoney, a couple of these guys from Mile High Report. And it's like, okay, great. He, he made a couple nice throws. But look at his stats. I mean, I don't think anyone can really argue he's a good quarterback. A slight upgrade, yes. So in other words, what this team has done is put a huge, big old Band-Aid, painted lipstick on a pig. You know, they polished a turd and said, here we go, Broncos fans. We're going to be a great team because we have this guy who won a Super Bowl six years ago and has been absolute garbage since. So yes, I hate it. Okay, we're going to talk about next... You know, any other news we've heard this season, it's going to be a little shorter podcast today because I've got a lot going on, um, but there's going to be a great segment uh, to, to wrap up the day uh, with, with Skipper Dude. He's going to talk. He's, going to, uh, he's a little off topic, but as he often does, uh, he, he waxes a bit philo- philosophical. He's going to talk about heroes in sports. And I think it's a great segment. Honestly, it's it's a segment that you might want to bring your 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 tissues, uh, your Kleenex box, because it's it's a really emotional thing. It's an emotional thing how he talks about the different you know heroes in sports history and and how, how what it takes to be someone that that really should be looked up to in today's uh, society in today's sports. And uh, I highly recommend it. Uh, that's coming up after the next segment, so that'll be the the third segment of the day, and that might just wrap it up. I may do a short one to finish off the podcast, but stick around. Uh, we'll have another segment right after this break.
Anatomy of an ad. Subconsciously trigger emotions through music. Perfect. Define an opportunity. Imagine talking to millions of people across the U.S. like I am now. Identify a problem. Creating an audio ad is time-consuming. Offer a solution. Utilize cutting-edge AI. Imagine creating all that in under 30 seconds. Well, we did. To create this ad, to learn more about AI in the audio industry, download the white paper from audiostack.ai. Anatomy of an ad. Subconsciously trigger emotions through music. Perfect. Define an opportunity. Imagine talking to millions of people across the U.S. like I am now. Identify a problem. Creating an audio ad is time-consuming. Offer a solution. Utilize cutting-edge AI. Imagine creating all that in under 30 seconds. Well, we did. To create this ad, to learn more about AI in the audio industry, download the white paper from audiostack.ai. So what else is going on in Broncos world? Obviously, again, the big news is Joe Flacco, but the other news, I, I, there's not a lot um, besides a new quarterback. Do we need more than that, honestly? Uh, I'd say the big news is that it sounds like Brandon Marshall will not be on the team next year. Um, a guy who was a big part of the the World uh, the World Series, the Super Bowl championship in 2015, a guy who is a great story. I mean, a fantastic story of how he worked his way up from the practice squad. He was recognized by Peyton Manning as, as a guy who the team should should look at, a guy who was who was really causing you know chaos and 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 mayhem on defense while playing against Peyton Manning in practice, and really solidified himself as as a very good linebacker for the Broncos and a, and a guy who who no matter what you believe in his political stances I think he has had a very very solid impact on the Denver community and that's something that you have to respect you have to look up to and you hope that other other players look up to him and, and look at him as an example of what they should be a guy who truly cared now you know my stance on the on the whole anthem thing I mean I don't. I don't really care. I think he got too much attention on a lot of ways. I do care about. Of course, I don't want any police brutality either towards you know black people or white people or anybody. Now, I also want you know police and 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 our you know people who who put their lives on the line to be treated with respect. I believe they've earned that. I think it's a hard job. Anyway, again, I'm not going to get too political. I'm going to let I'm going to let Skipper dude. He's going to get a little political later on. Um, I'll let him do that. Um, but either way, no matter what, no matter how you feel about that situation, you know, I do truly believe that Brandon Marshall had the best intentions in mind. I think he wanted to do the right thing. I think he, he put his money where his mouth is, you know, or where his knee was, I should say, you know, he knelt in the national anthem and he stood behind Colin Kaepernick. And he said, this is an issue, but he didn't just say it. He didn't just stand there and that was it. That was done. And I think some players did. And, and I think Brandon Marshall stood behind that and said, okay, this is my stance. I think there is a problem in our society, you know, with with brutality and and with you know anything else. And, and he stood behind that, and he went into this into the Denver community, and he tried to fix it. He tried to fix the community as best he could, and I absolutely respect him for that. And and I I wish him nothing but the best. I know that most Broncos fans do as well. I hope he he sees success somewhere else, or hey, maybe he resigns in Denver. But I, I think it's unlikely. I think in the Vic Fangio scheme, they need a, a young and very quick, fast uh, linebacker. Uh, I think he he runs his defense a lot through linebackers who can run sideline to sideline. Um, 
a Danny Trevathan type. Danny Trevathan, obviously one of the linebackers, you know, a former Bronco and then went and was in Fangio's scheme in uh, Chicago. Uh, and I think you're going to find someone like that, someone who can really cover, you know, sideline to sideline, someone who's better in coverage. And, and it's something that the team has desperately needed for years, a, a linebacker who can cover tight ends, for goodness sake. And Brandon Marshall, I think he was a good linebacker. He was very solid. He, he made a lot of big plays for the team. But even he was not that good at covering tight ends. The Broncos just have not found that solution. And, and one of those guys that obviously is, you know, rumor, I shouldn't even say rumored, but but wanted, you know, the Denver fans want him to come to Denver is C.J. Mosley from Baltimore. Uh, maybe the top, one of the top inside linebackers in, in all of football. Um, a guy who's very quick. He's very good at coverage. He's good at stopping the run. He's kind of a, a little bit of a smaller guy. Um, you could also see them drafting um, uh, a linebacker in the in the number ten position in the draft. Um, White, I believe, is his name. What's his first name? Devin White, I think. Um, I've also seen several mock drafts putting uh, Greedy Williams, <laughs> which I think is just like the greatest name ever for uh, a cornerback. He's a cornerback, um, a guy who I guess is is very tall, very physical, um, not great stopping the run apparently in college. Um, but a guy who is, according to a lot of the the scouts, they say he is a an unusual talent, a guy who's immediately going to be ready to play and cover in the NFL, and that's something that, that, that this team desperately needs. Because you see, when you look back at the 2015 team, I mean, they had a great pass rush, but they also had great cornerbacks. And I mean, I mean, I really believe that. I mean, they had Tlaib, they had Harris, and they had Roby, who was a good even a great at times third string cornerback uh, or number three cornerback, I should say. And Roby is just not a number one. I mean, Harris Jr. really, I, I mean, you can label him as the number one, but since he's the slot guy, it's not the same. Obviously, he's, he's often covering the slot, so you can't just move him over to the number one receiver. So, I mean, he's their number one talented guy, but I'd say Roby last year was was really the number one cornerback while Harris Jr. was was the slot cornerback or the, the nickel cornerback, I should say. And... I think they need a guy who can come in and absolutely solidify that and 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 take the pressure off of <clears throat> off of Harris Jr. and take advantage of of the pass rush. That they work in tandem, obviously. So oftentimes you get sacks because of the coverage. Oftentimes you get interceptions and pass deflections because of the pass rush. And since they work together, you you, you obviously need both. I mean, so I think the Broncos saw that last year that, I mean, you had the great pass rush, but the, the cornerbacks weren't that great. I mean, you saw so many times blown coverages and so many times it was it was Roby. I, I, may, I am not a Roby lover. I, I, I think everyone who's listened to this podcast knows that. I, I do not really like the guy. I think he's someone who has a lot of talent, but I think he, in my opinion, I, I know this is harsh, but when I watched the film... It didn't seem like he was always playing 100%. Now, maybe he was hurt. I don't know. But I, I didn't love what I always saw from him. And, and that's just the, the pure honesty of it. So I, I would like to see him gone. Or if he's going to stay, he's got to get a, a much smaller contract and be the number three cornerback behind a guy that's either drafted or brought in. I've seen names like Ronald Darby, um, who's a free agent this year. Maybe he'd be a, a good scheme. I think maybe they could try to bring in someone over from, from Chicago. Um, we'll see. I, I think, again, this team has so many issues they need to fix. I mean, the O-line, the, the, the secondary, the tight end, the wide receivers. I mean, you go into next year, and, and assuming 
Emmanuel Sanders is healthy. You've got Sutton and Sanders, but you know Sanders is getting older. I, I think that it sounds like the team really likes Sanders. They really want to keep him. I, I hope it works out. I, I hope his his injury heals and and is and is and is a hundred percent by then. Um, but we'll see. And, and I think they absolutely need help in the wide receiver core. I think you need to give Flacco guys who can, you know, just sprint down the field and get open for him. Um, I think he, if, if he's given the right help as it would have been with, with Keenum, then he can find success, at least moderate success. And, um, and a lot of that obviously is going to come out down to the offensive line, but, um, interesting. I mean, it's so interesting. This team is so bizarre. I mean, it's so strange because you wonder again, I mean, we, we talk so often about the contention windows, right? I, I, I think that's what sports is all about is contention windows. When is when is your window open to win? When when is your time to win? Is it now? Is it in five years? Is it was it last year and now you're rebuilding for, for a window in five? I mean, the the Rockies, for example, the, the Rockies obviously baseball, they they have a contention window right now. Right now. Arenado is 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 in his last year of his contract. Hopefully, I, I pray that he resigns because he's my favorite baseball player of all time. And their but their window is right now. They have the young co- pitching staff. They have Arenado, who's about to be gone. They have Story, etc. They have a lot of these guys that they can build around. But the window is open now, and it may close immediately. It may close this year. This may be the last year of their window. Now, I hope that's not the case. I hope they re-sign Arenado. I hope if they trade Arenado that, 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 that they will have enough pieces to to win in the next few years. But it, to me, it seems like it's this year or bust. That's the window. And so the Rockies, they have one year, and then maybe they'll trade their pieces and rebuild for two or three years from now. Now, that's harsh for fans don't really it's hard to swallow because you don't ever want your team not to be in it to win it but every team has to have different aspirations you can't always be you know playing for the super bowl and, and i mean of course you are always playing i mean you see what i'm saying i'm not just saying oh yeah who cares you know we we lost 10 games i, I don't care of course you care but but there have to be realistic expectations the broncos we're not in a window this season, you know, in 2018 to, to win the Super Bowl. Of course they weren't. Geez, they had Case Keenum at quarterback. You know, I mean, you were never going to win with Case Keenum. I mean, I, you're never going to win with Joe Flacco. So the, so this year is not a window of opportunity. It, it's it's not a, a time to win a Super Bowl. So the question is, when is or when should be the next contention window? And Elway, apparently... I, I guess, I mean, because his contract is expiring in three years, does not want to rebuild. He believes there's enough talent on this team to win now. He thinks, apparently, again, it seems that he thinks that Joe Flacco is a good enough piece to win right now. Now, I do think that the 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 guaranteed money and, and the, 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 the cap hit, et cetera, are better with Flacco. So actually, if you're able to trade Keenum, then it's actually a better monetary situation than it was with Keenum. So that's a win-win, but it still depends on if they trade Keenum. If they don't get rid of Keenum's salary, then I think it's a, it's not a good deal. If they do, then I think it's a good deal because you actually end up saving money for a slight upgrade on a quarterback. So of course that's good. But still, we have to really wait and see what they do in the draft. I still think they have to rebuild. This is not a year where they're going to win. So the, the Flacco trade, I think it's kind of bizarre. I think you're trading away some of your your... 
obviously a fairly high draft pick, some of your potential future to get a guy who who apparently is is brought in to win right now. And I don't love it. I, I don't see the contention window as being now, and somehow Elway does. Now, Elway, of course, he's a smarter guy than I am. He, he's a football guy. I'm, I'm some podcaster. Now, maybe he's right. I hope he's right. But I don't see it. I don't see it. Again, it looks like a, a way to, to appease the fan base. It's a way to make it look better than it really is. It's a way to say, hey, you know, Joe Flacco, Super Bowl MVP, coming to the Denver Broncos, you know? Eh, no. Nah. I mean, to me, I think you need more of that introduction with kind of a, a whiny little voice and in, in, in describing his his stats in the since 2013. You know, you know, instead of the announcing Joe Flacco Super Bowl MVP, you're you're more announcing, you know, something like oh, Joe Flacco. Uh, uh, since 2013, he's ranked 35th in touchdown percentage in pass yards per attempt. You know, it's just something really pathetic because he, he's got the name. But he doesn't have the stats. He doesn't have the recent past to back it up. Ah, oh, man. You know, it's it just never ends. It never ends. And I don't want to be a whiny fan. I mean, I know I am oftentimes a whiny fan. I think that I think a lot of fans are. I should be optimistic. I think it is a slight upgrade. It is a slight upgrade. And I think they will probably win a couple more games with Flacco than they would have with Keenum. And ultimately, that's what you want, right? And, and he's not that expensive. So I should say, I should tell myself that if they trade Keenum, if they get rid of all of Keenum's salary, then I like it. And that that's the truth. I do. I think it is an upgrade. And it actually somehow could save money. Um, but I want to see, obviously, more. We'll see what they do. We'll see what they do in the offseason. And I should be hopeful. And I'm, I'm, I don't want to just hate on every move that John Elway does. I, I do back up John Elway. I'm a true believer in John Elway. I think he's a a fantastic GM. He's proven it. He's built a great offense and a great defense. He's won a Super Bowl. He's gone to two. Now everyone puts that on Keenum, excuse me, on Peyton Manning. But you can't just put it on Peyton Manning. I and mean, come on, Elway brought in Manning. He brought in Tlaib. He brought in Ware. He brought in Ward. I mean, he brought in this team that that was great. So you can't take that away from him. And I know some people on Twitter just hate John Elway and and I don't get it. I mean, I, I mean, I think he's made his mistakes. He's been bad in the draft a lot of times. He, he's failed at quarterback, and I think bringing in Joe Flacco almost admits that he he and his team are not very good talent evaluators at quarterback. I think they want to bring in a guy who they've seen succeed because they're scared to death to have another Paxton Lynch or 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 Osweiler, and that's that's not good. I think when you when you if you see as a front office that you have limits to your ability to to judge players and judge talent, so you bring in someone who's already done it, even though he's not been good for a while, it worries me. It worries me. So I hope there's there's a better plan than this. There, there's more involved. I hope there's a Keenum trade coming up in the near future. I hope that they draft you know a couple of stud defensive players or even an offensive lineman. I mean, we'll see. There's a lot of offseason left, so there's no reason to be pessimistic. I don't like the trade. I don't like that they're just screwing, you know, that they're screwing up the whole rebuild. But I will give John Elway the benefit of the doubt, and I have to continue to tell myself that. I have to keep saying, Elway's got this. You know, he knows what he's doing. He's a much smarter football person than I am. So in Elway, we trust. And I'm going to keep telling myself that until I become more of an optimistic person. 
And to help the optimism, here up next is the skipper, skipper dude to talk about heroes in sports history and what we should look for in the people we look up to in, in sports and society today after this break. Anatomy of an ad. Subconsciously trigger emotions through music. Perfect. Define an opportunity. Imagine talking to millions of people across the U.S. like I am now. Identify a problem. Creating an audio ad is time-consuming. Offer a solution. Utilize cutting-edge AI. Imagine creating all that in under 30 seconds. Well, we did. To create this ad, to learn more about AI in the audio industry, download the white paper from audiostack.ai. Anatomy of an ad. Subconsciously trigger emotions through music. Perfect. Define an opportunity. Imagine talking to millions of people across the U.S. like I am now. Identify a problem. Creating an audio ad is time-consuming. Offer a solution. Utilize cutting-edge AI. Imagine creating all that in under 30 seconds. Well, we did. To create this ad, to learn more about AI in the audio industry, download the white paper from audiostack.ai. Thanks, as always, for having me on, Kevin. I am the Skipper Dude, proud Broncos fan since 1984. So, Kevin, there's something I've noticed of late. While the Broncos country news cycle has been dominated this past week by, by news of the upcoming March 13th Joe Flacco trade, news flows from around the NFL seem to be increasingly dominated by the moral fringe, in large part by me-first type guys who have pushed moral boundaries in one way or another. We, we had the news back in December of Josh Gordon being suspended indefinitely for yet another drug violation. The Super Bowl of MVP this year, Julian Edelman, is a guy who missed four games this year for using performance-enhancing drugs. Antonio Brown, fantasy football legend and apparent real-life me-first jerk, is asking to be traded from Pittsburgh. And whatever you think about Colin Kaepernick, he's back in the news having settled his collusion case with the NFL, and he's at least flirting with the Washington Redskins. And if you know much about modern world history, this trend is not actually all that surprising. In fact, through most of human history, your entertainment performers, be they thespians who are the predecessors to today's modern actors and actresses, or gladiators or street fighters or other athletes involved in physical sports, they were generally regarded as the dregs of society, your lowest moral class. Your living heroes in days past were, were more often they were your clergy, they, perhaps your politicians and other civic leaders, and even sometimes your intellectuals like Albert Einstein or G.K. Chesterton, who could fill auditoriums with their symposiums and their debates. But as, as times have evolved, the sports world has produced its fair share of true, genuine heroes as well as, as the traditional lower class. And not just guys like Michael Jordan and John Elway and Peyton Manning, who have scaled to the very pinnacles of success in their respective sports, but I'm talking more about men and women whose contribution to the sports world have gone beyond mere athletic success and in the significant impact off the court, off the field, off the ice, in making the world a better place. So today, I'd like to focus on three true heroes of the sports world and talk about what I see as their lasting impacts on our world. I have to warn you, there's some political content in this segment, but I really think that whether your political outlook is red, blue, conservative, liberal, extremist, or or somebody who just doesn't care what wit about politics, I think you'll like it. So my first hero comes from 
early 20th century baseball world, uh, the Lou Gehrig. And now, if you know anything about baseball history, you know about the famous 1927 Yankees. Murderers Row, Lou Gehrig's streak of 2,130 games played, which held up for 56 years until Cal Ripken of the Orioles broke it in 1995. But a couple of things you may not know about Lou Gehrig. The first was just how prolific a player and a hitter he was in his day. When you talk about the greatest hitters in Major League Baseball through their first five seasons of their career, the discussion actually narrows down to three who rise above the rest. Lou Gehrig, um, Ted Williams, and Paul Goldschmidt, of all, of all people. Of course, Lou Gehrig kept it up throughout his 14-year career and ended up with a 340 career batting average. When you look at Babe Ruth and Gehrig as the heart of the old Yankees murderers row, there really isn't even a good comparison to today's players. About the best I could come up with was, was Albert Pujols in his prime and Paul Goldschmidt, although Ruth and Gehrig were really even a step up from, from that, if you think about the impact of those two. The, the other thing that you may not know about Lou Gehrig is that as a man, he was in stark, almost perfect contrast with, with Babe Ruth. The babe was flashy, flamboyant, arrogant, and brash. A reporter once asked him if he was concerned about signing a contract that paid him more than the President of the United States, and he answered famously, nope, I had a better year. But, but Lou Gehrig, on the other hand, was a simple farm boy, gentle, humble, unassuming, and so when his opportunity to be a hero presented itself in the form of a fast-moving, deadly neurological disease, now known as ALS, or of course also known as Lou Gehrig's disease, he was true to form and handled the news with the grace of a bona fide, genuine hero. Lou Gehrig's farewell speech in 1939, of course, has become part of American lore. But, but as so often happens with these things, it's kind of become a sort of two-dimensional cardboard cutout of itself that, that, that's kind of based around the reverberation at, at Yankee Stadium, right? Today, today, I consider myself, myself, the luckiest man, man, on the face of the earth, earth, earth. But, but if you've never heard the entire speech, then, well, you're about to, because it's only about a minute long, and it's just an amazingly powerful speech in its simplicity and its humility. The Yankees held Lou Gehrig Appreciation Day on July 4th, 1939, between games of a doubleheader, and they showered him with gifts and, and speeches. Gehrig himself had actually asked to be excused for making a speech to the crowd, but the crowd demanded it and started chanting his name. And at first he was too choked up to speak, but in his true heroic spirit, he composed himself and approached the microphones. Now, now real quickly, some background. He, he makes references to four names during the speech. Jacob Rupert was the owner of the New York Yankees who died the previous January. Ed Barrow was the Yankees general manager at the time in 1939. Miller Huggins was the manager of the 1920s Murderer's Row Yankees, and he had died in 1929. And, of course, Joe McCarthy was, was Gehrig's manager at the time in 1939. And as best as I can tell, audio of the full speech no longer exists. And, and what we have in terms of, of the speech itself is built from the memories of people who were there. But, but with him fighting back tears and without any notes, it went like this. And, and a warning here, I have a hard time getting through this without crying myself, um, but I'll do my best. So, so here's, here's the speech. For the past two weeks, you've been reading about a bad break. Today, I consider myself the luckiest man on the face of the earth. I have been in ballparks for 17 years and have never received anything but kindness and encouragement from you fans. When you look around, 
Wouldn't you consider it a privilege to associate yourself with such a fine-looking men as they're standing in uniform in this ballpark today? Sure, I'm lucky. Who wouldn't consider it an honor to have known Jacob Rupert, also the builder of baseball's greatest empire, Ed Barrow, to have spent six years with that wonderful little fellow, Miller Huggins, then to have spent the next nine years with that outstanding leader, that smart student of psychology, the best manager in baseball today, Joe McCarthy. Sure, I'm lucky. When the New York Giants, a team you would give your right arm to beat and vice versa, sends you a gift, that's something. When everybody down to the groundskeepers and those boys in white coats remember you with trophies, that's something. When you have a wonderful mother-in-law who takes your sides with you and squabbles with her own daughter, that's something. When you have a father and a mother who work all their lives so you can have an education and build your body, it's a blessing. When you have a wife who has been a tower of strength and shown more courage than you dreamed existed, that's the finest I know. So I close in saying that I might have been given a bad break, but I've got an awful lot to live for. Thank you. And Lou Gehrig, uh, of course, died less than, than two years later on, on June 2nd, 1941. So, so for grace and gratitude and humility in the face of perhaps the toughest break any athlete could be handled or handed, Lou Gehrig, you are, are most definitely a hero. So now my second hero is, is a hero for an entirely different reason. Sticking with the baseball world and moving the clock forward just a couple of years, our next hero is probably the closest thing the modern sports world has known to a genuine old-fashioned martyr. Now, those of you who know me outside of Broncos and Bratwurst know that I have a special affinity for traditional black culture, in particular, that, that culture that developed after slavery emancipation following the Civil War and existed up until the 1960s or so, especially in the Deep South. It's a culture of long-suffering and abuse by, by dominant white culture, but also one of joy, of humility, of a surprisingly light spirit, great senses of humor, and excellent musical and physical talents. It, it all, all attributes that I, I like to try to, to, to you know, have myself. But, but, but by 1942, white and black cultures had sadly drifted apart. What America needed was a trailblazer, somebody to step into the divide between cultures, suffer immensely for it, and, and pave the way for a racially integrated future. It needed a hero. So before T.C. Williams High School and Herman Boone in 1971, as portrayed in the movie Remember the Titans, before Martin Luther King Jr.'s I Have a Dream speech in 1963, before the amazing contributions of women like Catherine Goebel, Mary Jackson, and Dorothy Vaughn to America's space program, in, as portrayed in the movie Hidden Figures in the early 1960s, and long before Rosa Parks refused to give up her seat on the bus in 1955, America got its pioneer its trailblazer, its original hero of racial integration in Jackie Robinson. In 1942, the big, biggest issue on Americans' mind, of course, was war. World War II fighting Nazis in Germany on one front and Japan on the other. In fact, in Brooklyn that year, the Dodgers general manager, Larry McPhail, left the team to enlist in the Army. The Dodgers turned to a veteran of the St. Louis Cardinals organization named Branch Rickey to fill the, to, to fill the position. Now, Branch Rickey turned out to be an amazing innovator who helped to shape the baseball world as we know it today. His innovations included a full-time spring training facility for the Dodgers in Vero Beach, safety features like the batting cage, pitching machines, and batting helmets, and statistical analysis 
that grew into what we know today as sabermetrics. Way ahead of his time, Ranch Ricky was. But, but of Ricky's contributions to baseball, none was greater than his push, his desire, his idealism for racial integration. And so he looked to the Negro Leagues and, and found Jackie Robinson of the Kansas City Monarchs. Now, Jackie Robinson was an elite Negro player, but not necessarily a legendary type of a player. From what I've researched, I'd say that talent-wise, he was probably a step up from, from a David Dahl in terms of, of talent. Immensely talented, but you know maybe not at the very top of the, of the uh, Negro Leagues. But, but what Branch Rickey was looking for, first and foremost, was a man of superior moral character, which Jackie Robinson absolutely was, and most importantly for a man who would not fight back against the inevitable racism that would likely define his career. So Jackie Robinson's dignity and courage in the face of racism was truly heroic. To put things in context, the St. Louis Cardinals had threatened to go on strike if a Negro was ever allowed to play in the major leagues. Players would try to step on his feet with their spiked cleats when they could. Pitchers often threw at his head. And, and fans were, were often even worse, threatening not just to kill him, and his beautiful wife, Rachel, but also to kidnap his son, Jack Jr. But through it all, Jackie Robinson remained committed to playing baseball, maintaining his dignity, and never fighting back. And through it all, not only did he win the respect and admiration of most of white society, but he also galvanized the black community, which began flocking to see him play at the old Ebbets Field and, and throughout the National League. But more importantly, it led people of color to begin rejecting the poor treatment they had historically received from much of white culture, especially in the South. They began to reject the separate but equal farce. And within a generation, Branch Rickey's dream of integrated baseball leagues became a reality as Negro leagues were slowly absorbed into Major League Baseball. And of course, that, that uh, integration of, of the Major Leagues led to the integration, a better integration of society itself. So now, by, by and large, I'm a big believer that organizations like Major League Baseball and the NFL need to stay out of politics. When they dabble in politics, they typically make a mess out of things. But with Jackie Robinson, I think it's different. In 1997, Major League Baseball reti retired Jackie Robinson's number 42, not just for the L.A. Dodgers, but for every team. And I know that the more I've come to know about Jackie Robinson's story, the more I believe that Major League Baseball got this right. And so if you have an opportunity to go to Coors Field this summer or another Major League Baseball stadium and see that number two, that number 42 retired, I encourage you to take a moment to reflect on just how much Jackie Robinson meant to American culture, how much he still means today, and just what a hero he was for his forbearance and his long suffering in pioneering a new age in, in American race relations. So my hero number three, I'm going to switch over to the NFL. And a hero who gave the greatest sacrifice that any, any of us could ever give in, in his own life. In fact, the Bible even says that greater love hath no man than this, that he give up his life for his friends. Patrick Daniel Tillman was, was born in Fremont, California in 1976. If he were alive today, he'd be 42 years old. He was a standout linebacker at, at, at Arizona State. But he was drafted in 1998 by the Arizona Cardinals. He was the 226th pick out of 241 that year, almost Mr. Irrelevant. But he impressed the Cardinals well enough to start 10 games his rookie year. 
Sports Illustrated named him to their All-Pro team by the year 2000, and he was on his way to becoming very much what I would consider to be the Chris Harris Jr. of, of his generation as a safety, of course, and not as a cornerback. But then came the events of September 11, 2001, which touched Tillman in a way that caused him to turn down a three-year, $3.6 million contract from the Cardinals and, and a, a very good contract for his day and join the U.S. Army. What's amazing as you read Tillman's story, though, is that he was not a fan of, of either President George Bush or the Iraq War, but he, sound, he signed with the Army out of a sense of honor and integrity. He was deployed to Afghanistan and in 2004 was killed in an accident that was ruled to have been friendly fire. On September 19, 2004, all 32 teams wore a decal honoring Pat Tillman. The Cardinals wore the decal throughout the 2004 season. And if you were a Broncos fan back in 2004, you probably remember that Jake Plummer, who had been a teammate of Tillman's with the Cardinals, asked to be allowed to wear the decal through the 2004 season. And in the NFL, and perhaps its greatest example I can ever remember of getting it wrong politically, said no and, and created a stir. Now, this is where I get political. So if these things bother you, you might want to fast forward the, the podcast for just a minute or two. So... Pat Tillman's example is just one of millions in the history of our country of men and women who have made the ultimate sacrifice to protect the freedoms that are the foundation of this country. And that includes the First Amendment freedom to be an idiot. And, and I do believe that the First Amendment right to be an idiot is what's at the center of today's national anthem protests. Listen, I realize that these players are reacting to a very real crisis of police brutality and mistreatment. And trust me, I know as well as most people, having had a cop one time who tried to ruin my life for having burned tumbleweeds and a burn barrel on a concrete pad in the middle of dry prairie during a fire ban. I mean, this, this guy must have thought he'd advance his career by being a big, big hero, you know, by persecuting a guy in the middle of nowhere who's just trying to do the right thing. But, but that said, if your cause is police brutality, then... By all means, work with the NFL to get the word out and advance your cause. If SB Nation came to Kevin and me and asked us to devote a segment or even a whole show to the evils of police brutality, we'd be right there to do it in a heartbeat. No questions asked. But for goodness sake, don't hold the flag hostage. Don't hold Pat Tillman and his memory hostage. I suspect that if you could have shown Pat Tillman the future back in 2001, and, and his NFL brethren would be disrespecting his sacrifice to advance a basically political agenda, and you could have asked him if he'd still die for his country, he'd have told you, absolutely. It's what soldiers do. They, they give their lives or at least put themselves in death's way to protect the right of idiots to be idiots, among other things. But what that means to the rest of us is don't be idiots. Whatever our beefs with society, whatever our views on institutional racism or so-called white privilege, we owe it to Pat Tillman, to the men who took Omaha Beach during World War II, and the countless men and women who have sacrificed themselves for this country and its ideals, to put our differences aside for the couple of minutes a week and rally around our flag and all that it represents. All right, so that, that's enough for my political soapbox. So, so to bring this discussion full circle... Heroes can come in all types, and, all types of shapes and sizes. And I just want to encourage everybody during this NFL offseason that for every reprobate, like, like a Josh Gordon or a Kareem Hunt, there, there is a corresponding hero 
like a Peyton Manning who is said to devour a Bible with the same passion as he devours a playbook, or a story of personal redemption like a Vaughn Miller, or an unsung local hero who plays for less money than he's probably worth, like, like a Chris Harris Jr. or a Derek Wolf, and that we as fans should appreciate our heroes and appreciate the broader impact that many of them have on society at large. Kevin, back to you. Anatomy of an ad. Subconsciously trigger emotions through music. Perfect. Define an opportunity. Imagine talking to millions of people across the U.S. like I am now. Identify a problem. Creating an audio ad is time-consuming. Offer a solution. Utilize cutting-edge AI. Imagine creating all that in under 30 seconds. Well, we did. To create this ad, to learn more about AI in the audio industry, download the white paper from audiostack.ai. Thanks, as always, to the Skipper Dude for coming on and giving us his awesome opinions, his awesome um, knowledge of sports. It was really fascinating, again, to hear those stories. And and I knew the ones of, of, of Lou Gehrig and um, Pat Tillman and Jackie Robinson, but it's it, it's fascinating. I, I love sports history. I think I'm sure many of the listeners here love it, too, and, and to see... You know, the people, the men who, who helped build, men and women, I should say, who helped build the sports that we still love and helped help them become what they are now, and especially the ones that, that helped also build our society and, and our culture into a better place. And fascinating topic, um, very interesting. Um, and again, thank him for that. Uh, and it's an interesting thing. It kind of connects with, with the, the topic I often bring up of how Elway needs to go and get guys of high character, guys of high IQ, men who are going to come in and play hard every snap that want to be in Denver, not me guys, guys who aren't all about me. I do not want Antonio Brown in Denver. And and I, I get it. He is a generational talent. And, and if, if they trade for him, I'm not going to be upset about it, of course, but if I have to choose, I'm going to say no because he he is a locker room issue. And now I don't know if he's the only issue that there was the problem in Pittsburgh. Pittsburgh I, is a, just an absolute mess. I mean, Bell's out because of character issues, and Brown's out, and Brown is calling Roethlisberger a you know a, a meanie head. I mean, it's it's a disaster, and I think part of that falls on the coach who kind of lets it become a disaster. I think Mike Tomlin is kind of known as a guy who probably should be a little more strict. A little less of a player's coach, um, but either way, uh, I, that's not the kind of guy I want in Denver. I, I like guys, at least seemingly guys like Cortland Sutton, who who really to me seems like a guy who has his head on straight, on the field and off the field. A guy who who understands the game of football to the deepest levels. The guy who understands the the game clock. A guy who understands you know, hustle and, and playing hard every play. Now, yes, he's got things he's got to fix. Maybe he's got to work on his hands, his route running abilities, etc. But I think when you bring in smart players, you set yourself up for a for a more likely successful future because they're guys who will pick up the schemes. They will learn. They will learn how to run good routes. And and you see, I mean, look at Jerry Rice. I mean, one of the probably the smartest players to play. And, and, and part of it was because he just understood the game of football. He understood how to get open. He understood how to run great routes. He had great hands. Part of it was from hard work. Part of it because he was a smart, intelligent guy. I mean, Peyton Manning is another great example of that. I mean, extremely cerebral. And, and 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 you want to bring in guys not just on the field, but again, off the field. Like I said last week, you want guys who are at least moral in the locker room. 
Now, I don't think teams really care what you do off the field as long as you stay out of trouble and don't get you know thrown in prison or, or you know become an alcoholic, etc., which the Broncos have had an unfortunate recent history of bringing in guys who do that. Now, you just want to bring in guys who, who are going to lift your locker room into a better place than it was before they got there. That, that you want guys who are accountable, guys who have maturity, guys who are going to to raise the level of play of everyone around them. Now, not everyone can be Peyton Manning like that. He was unusual. He was once-in-a-generation type of leader. But there are others, and, and you just need people who will pull their own weight and help others pull theirs. And that's the player that John Elway should be looking for, especially a quarterback. Now, Joe Flacco, from what I can tell, seems like more of a laid-back Kind of a kind of a quiet guy. Now, I, maybe I'm wrong with that. Please, someone tell me if I'm wrong with that. That's the impression I've gotten since watching Joe Flacco for the last you know ten years. So they still need someone to be that vocal leader. It's not Von Miller. I, I just I will not accept that. He is if if he's been the leader, then he's been a bad one. That they've had so many off field issues since Peyton Manning and Demarcus Ware left, and and they need someone to to hold the peers accountable. Maybe that's bringing in someone like C.J. Mosley. I, again, I don't know C.J. Mosley in the locker room. I don't honestly know if he's a leader, but but they need to find someone like that to come in and say, hey, this bullcrap, whatever this is, isn't gonna isn't gonna work in here. Now, yeah, Fangio is the first step to that, but they need players. They need players to be in there and be smaller versions of heroes in the locker room, on the field, and off the field. And I'm gonna end with that today. Um, I, I want to again say to everyone that I would be glad to have fan rants. I'd be glad to hear your opinions of the Broncos, the Broncos offseason. Joe Flacco, I mean, what do you think? I want to hear. I want you to be part of this this podcast. I don't need you to be. I, I think people hear me asking them, they're like, oh, this guy. You know, but I, I mean, I can talk for an hour straight, no problem, or, or 40 minutes and Skipper Dude will do 20. But I do want to hear from you. I think it's a, it would be an interesting piece. It's an interesting part that I want to make part of this podcast. So again, if you want to be part of this podcast, if you want to be part of the Vox Media, MileHighReport.com, uh, Broncos and Bratwurst podcast, send me your your take. Send me your audio recorded fan rant. And, and again, it can be anything Broncos. The only restrictions, it needs to be from one to 10 minutes long, and it needs to not have any profanity. It has to be family friendly or I cannot put it on this podcast. Other than that, I want to hear about anything. You can talk about the AAF. That's fine. I mean, talk about Flacco. Talk about Manning. Talk about the 1960s Broncos. That's all fine. I have no problem with it. There are tons of apps that will allow you to record audio on your phone. Uh, you probably have them on your phone already. Just look through your apps. If not, go to the App Store and get any sort of, of voice recorder app. Send me a file to my email at USA at gmail.com. That's Kevin. And then Gillikin, which is G-I-L-L-I-K-I-N-U-S-A at gmail.com. Um, you can also find me on Twitter at Kevy Gillikin. Um, again, I would love to hear from you. Please send me whatever you want to talk about. And, uh, well, we'll go from there. Otherwise, thanks for listening. And we'll be back next week for Broncos and Bratwurst broadcast. You guys have an awesome week. And... I'll continue to work on my um, episode ending skills. (laughs) Peace.